Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church in Burlington, Ontario. And today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. Just a couple of days late, but uh, yeah. we're excited to get this going. That's entirely my fault. I actually was not around at church this weekend. I was out in Calgary, but I just tuned in and watched the whole sermon via our YouTube channel. So this is always a great option. Um, we live stream it on Sunday morning. If you can't be with us in person, um, that's a great way to stay in touch. Obviously, what we want is you to be there. Uh, we think right. there's something really valuable, but... Let's uh, let's jump in, Paul. We started a new series this week, I believe. Right. Um, and you preached on what exactly? Why don't you give us a little synopsis? Well, we talked about this whole idea about uh, what it takes to become a follower. What does a follower actually look like? Mm. And uh, we started with this idea of you know John three sixteen is the verse that we often point to when we think about what it takes to to become a follower of Jesus. Of course. Um, and and that verse sort of encapsulates everything. It talks about God's love for the world. It talks about the fact that he, you know, what his son did or what Jesus does. It, t- it talks about what we need to do in response. And then it talks about the the gift of eternal life. So all of that is connected there. Mm-hmm. But the question I asked is: Is that the best passage to to present to someone when we want to present what the gospel is all about? What it means mm. to to be a part of uh, God's family? And then I asked the question: Is that the verse that Jesus would go to? And I think what I'm recognizing is that, of course, we need to understand the truth. We need to respond to the truth. And so there is this moment of response. Yeah. But we are not called to be believers. We're called to be followers. Hmm. And there's a difference. In fact, in many churches, we actually call ourselves, call Christians, we call them believers. Um, you know, in our church, we we try to be very careful about calling Christians followers, followers of Jesus. because. Yeah. That to me is a better indication of what God is asking for. Sure. Because the truth is when Jesus had big crowds and when lots of people started coming around, thousands of people, everyone wanted to hear this good news. Uh, it seemed as though the message kind of, Jesus almost turned up the volume or the intensity. He, hmm. he talked about the cost. He talked about how difficult it was at times. And for most of us, when we ever get to those moments where we potentially have the the chance of helping someone kind of take that make that decision we sort of turn down the the uh you know the kind of the volume when it comes to what you have to do or what you're required to and just say hey you know you're invited to pray this prayer like pray this prayer and everything will be great um praying the prayer is only the beginning in my mind Hmm. jesus wasn't looking for a following he wanted followers he just didn't want a big crowd he wanted people who were dedicated to following him and okay. so we talked about this idea of, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. And we said, well, what does that look like? Yeah. What does that look like in our daily lives? That's great. Now, I'm assuming you're not saying that belief is unimportant and, and it's prob- it may be, in fact, a first step, but it's not a big enough picture. Following is a better picture of what it looks like to be a Christian. Yeah. I was going to say to follow Jesus. Obviously, following is a better picture of following Jesus. I just think that if we leave our understanding or what we know about God in our minds yep. and don't allow it to fall into our hearts and mm-hmm. be expressed in our activities, then we don't fully understand it, right? Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that once we know it, it changes us. Yeah. And we've talked about this as a church a lot. We talk about this idea that we want to be so impacted by our relationship with Jesus that we are compelled to live differently. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that if if your life is not changed, then you don't yet know who Jesus is. Hmm. You need to do some work there to dig in to understand that because the more we understand it, the more that it requires change in our life. Yeah, and this is both a, I mean, a pretty simple concept like you've just said. It's also 
one of my favorite philosophical arguments and, and things around Christianity, one of the earliest heresies in the church that was around long before the early church was this idea that we're kind of divided between the real spiritual important side of us and kind of the evil physical. And what we do doesn't actually matter in any way. All that matters is where our soul's going. Right. And you can see this, the hints of this kind of cropping up in the church from the early church until now. Um, and yeah. this idea that if we follow Jesus, we understand ourselves as whole beings, not as like yeah. Jesus just only cares about this little side of me and needs to save this side. And once I've prayed the prayer, I've kind of checked the box and I'm good to go. It's yeah. way more than that. And, you know, and I'm not suggesting something that I've done a lot of research about, but I wonder if our emphasis on uh, our sole emphasis on belief, like, mm-hmm. let me get that straight. Our, our only focus there is based on the fact that we want things to be easy. Yeah. You know, like uh, we've been hearing from a uh, um, some like in, in the hockey world with, with the Leafs, you know, there's been some discussion about some of the players wanting an easy game. And so some of the people have been having these conversations about this idea of what it looks like to, you know, want an easy hockey game. Hmm. But I think for us, it's about in life, like, what does it look like to want an easy life to just, you know, pursue the simplest way of going about things. And, and I think that that rolls over into our faith. And it's this idea that like, all I need to do is know the right things and I'm good. It doesn't really matter what I do. Yeah. And, and again, it's not that believing is bad, but, um, We've, we've seen this in so much of culture since since World War II, essentially, since the, the minds that went to war came back and went to marketing. Um, how do we make things easy? How do we make things accessible for people? Um, and not that there isn't some good in that, but it, when it waters down what it is to actually know Jesus and to walk with him, um, this is why it's important that we talk about following. Yeah. And you know what I would, what I would point to is um, when Jesus teaches one of his most famous sermons, uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. At the end of this sermon, he actually talks about this idea of a, you know, a narrow gate and a wide gate. Hmm. And he ends up with this, with this statement. He talks about this idea that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many, many will say to me on that day, look, like, you know, God, I, you know, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we, you know, go to church? Yeah. Didn't we, you know, carry our Bibles around? Give to didn't, missions work. Yeah, yeah, didn't we do all these things? And and the response is chilling because what we read in, the, in this patches, passage in Matthew chapter 7 is Jesus says, go away from you. I never knew you. Hmm. And it's like, whoa, right? <clears throat> yeah, and If that and, doesn't scare you, you're not reading it well. Absolutely. <laughs> and so so here's the thing that I think that we have we have diluted out of our faith is that Jesus made it pretty clear that the way you will recognize true followers of Jesus is by their fruit. Hmm. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them, right? Bad trees produce bad fruit. So what's going on on the inside must be shown on the outside. And, and this is the thing I think that now, listen, I don't want us to be a discouraging, you know, kind of, I don't want people listening saying, man, I, you know, I just don't measure up. I can't get there. I I struggle with this. I get that. We all struggle. Yeah. But our goal is to pursue this. Our goal is to pursue transformation to the point where the fruit that's produced in our life, the things that we do is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Hmm. And it's not just something that we add on it. It is necessary as a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't have fruit, that should cause you to stop and ask yourself whether you're really following Jesus at all. You got it. um, Yeah. That should be convicting. Yeah, so we talked about, to us as we sit here. Yeah, and so we talked about these ideas. You know, one of the things that I, you know, we we talked about is this idea. So deny yourself is is really about saying no to yourself and saying mm-hmm. yes to God, right? Yeah. And yes to His will for our lives. And so one of the ways that 
you know, that you can see this expressed is that uh, oftentimes when we love someone, we do absolutely crazy things, right? Yeah. Um, I can think back to times where I, you know, drove all the way from, you know, where I was in Scarborough all the way out to, uh, to Burlington where my uh, wife was working at a grocery store and I bought a can of soup. Then not wife, I'm assuming? Uh, yes, <laughs> then okay. not wife, yeah. but then soon to be wife. Yes, yeah. And uh, yes, so my, I, uh, the girl that I was dating... And I, I drove all the way out and I got, I bought a can of soup and, and then I went home, but like I was there in the checkout line and, you know, she smiled and I smiled and it was kind of a cool thing. And we had a little conversation, obviously it wasn't like I just took off without saying anything. There's (laughs) more to the story, but, but yeah, you, you were there just to, just to say hi. Yeah. And my point is like, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to do. It's kind of dumb, but you do it because you love the person. And when you love, when you're in love, you do crazy things. Mm And often, one of the questions I think is a really good one for us to ask is, when was the last time you did something crazy for mm-hmm. Jesus? Yeah. When was the last time you did something crazy because of um, because because of your love for God? And I think a lot of us we we can't answer that with with very crazy stories. We kind of say, well, you know, like you know, once I didn't sleep in, I actually went to church rather than you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a crazy story. What, no. what are some of the ways that, that that God inspires you to do things that are just so far outside of the norm because of your love for Him? That's pretty. Uh, that to me is an indication that that you're a follower. Yeah, and when you do those crazy things, you may have friends. You will have friends, I would say, and and friends who maybe even love Jesus. Kind of ask you, what are you doing? What, what's yeah. going on here? Um, and and kind of say, well, does that make any sense? Like I I think if no one's ever questioning your decision making if everyone's always like oh that's that's always great um especially if you're surrounded by people who don't know jesus and they're like yeah everything you're doing makes sense maybe you're not following jesus as much as you should be maybe you're not taking those risks and fair enough I mean, we, we talked about this idea of risk and it's um it's scary and it's foreign and i think it's one of the the best ways that people see god at work yeah is seeing I, i've seen it in my own life certainly but also in the life of others there's people i know who do things that i'm like well, man, if that's not God, it's going to crash and burn. And then yeah. it is God, and, it, and I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Right? And we should, we should be able to see those moments and celebrate those moments. And Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people ask the question, okay, so what does this look like? Like, mm-hmm. what do I do with this? What's sure. my next step? And in the, in the message uh, on Sunday, I talked about these three people that came to Jesus in yeah. the end of chapter 9 who are obviously not following him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I think they're set up as examples for us to kind of – you know, sort of put some boundaries on this to help us understand where are the limits and what we need to do. Yep. And so we talked about this idea. The first, you know, the first one was really uh, saying, hey, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, you don't want to go where I'm going because I'm not going to all the posh hotels and the nice places. I'm going to go to some really hard things and difficult places. Mm-hmm. And the question that we have to ask that is, okay, so are you prepared to follow Jesus anywhere, anywhere? And the idea behind that is like, there are places in my life where I am more likely to be really bold in my faith or share the things about God. You know, if I'm going to church, for instance, or if I'm with my Christian friends, but when I'm going to school or when I'm going into my workplace, are there places that are really difficult for you to, uh, to follow Jesus well um, in location wise? Mm-hmm. And so the question that, that I would ask you is to take a moment and just say, okay, where are those places? Yep. And then start thinking about actions you can take that would change that. Yep. Um, another person that comes along says that, you know, he's, he was prepared to follow Jesus, but he just needed some time. And what we talked about is what are the excuses that you're making to not start now? And, you know, write them down and give them back to God and say, okay, I'm going to start taking some steps. 
Um, and then the last one was around, you know, what are the things that we are not willing to sacrifice for him? Yeah. And, and I think I, I told the story of the rich young ruler where he comes to Jesus. He's got all the right answers. He's a good guy. He's doing nice things. He's showing love to his neighbor, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus kind of points around him and says, I want that. I want that thing behind you. You know, the thing that you're trying to hide from me, your money. I want that. Mm-hmm. Not because God needs our money, but he wants all of us. Yeah. He wants us to die to self. Exactly. Yeah. And for so many of us, there's things that are in our life that we're just not willing to give up. And, and I think, again, making a list of those things and giving them back to God is, uh, is a really cool way to, to take some very concrete steps. Yeah. I mean, you talked about that, you know, the, obviously the passage where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's easy to lose track of this, this idea that, that Jesus said that before he died on a cross. Yeah. Right. Like it, it would have been foreign. We've kind of taken the cross. If you've been in the church, even if you haven't been in the church, right? Like the cross yep. is a pretty normal symbol now. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, it's pretty. It's made out of wood. And like, we know it's it's where Jesus died, but it kind of doesn't hit us. It like, take up your noose and follow me, right? Like yeah. pick, pick a torture device, pick something that is meant for death. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. And like, like I, I just picture like, take up your noose and follow me. Take, take everything that I value and be willing to let it be hung, yeah. to let it die. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's a, that's a vivid kind of graphic image, but, but that's what Jesus is calling us to. And, oh, that's hard. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. And, you know, I did talk about the cross and this, just the opposition and shame and suffering and death yeah. that it represented for sure. Um, I was reading a book um, um, this week uh, by Kyle Eidelman that's a pretty well-known book called Not a Fan. Mm-hmm. And in that book, he describes a little bit about the cross and he he talks about this idea of that symbol of, of torture and, yeah. and, you know, that where we where we go with it. But I love how he sort of wraps this up. He talks about exactly as you described how how atrocious and how absolutely shocking this this statement was. But what we know because of Jesus is that um, is that the cross that represented defeat for a follower is an image of victory. The hmm. cross that represented guilt for a follower, it's an image of grace. The cross that represented condemnation for a follower, it's an image of freedom. And the cross that represented pain and suffering for a follower, it's an image of healing and hope. The cross that represented death for a follower is an image of life. The cross that may not have been attractive for a follower is absolutely beautiful. Hmm. It's a pretty cool way of uh, describing how Jesus makes that device something that we should put on the back of our car or hang around our necks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And think on deeply. That's, uh, that's so good. So much in there that's, um, that's hard to do. So what, what would you say to someone, Paul, who's... Um, maybe who, who hasn't got into this deeply and who kind of walked in Sunday or is walking in now and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer, but, mm-hmm. but am I a follower? How, how, would you, how would you encourage that person to start shaping their life as a follower of Jesus? Are there, are there simple habits we should engage in? I know we just went through a series mm-hmm. on habits. Are mm-hmm. there, like, what, what's a first step? Well, the, I would say that asking the question to begin with is great. Like, that's a good place to start, to recognize that, you know, there's more to this that, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? I'm realizing I am a believer. I believe who Jesus was that, and you know, that he did what he did, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if I'm following as well as I can. I think that's a really great place to, to, um, to start. So even asking the question is actually a really good first step. Mm-hmm. 
But then I would say, I would take those three things that we talked about. Are you willing to follow him anywhere? Are you willing to follow him now? And are you willing to give up anything for him? So ask those questions about, you know, kind of where and uh, when and, and what you'd be willing to give up uh, to follow him. And so yeah. I, you could even make a list if you wanted to, you know, take out a book and start writing down some things, some places you don't want to go or follow yeah. Jesus or some things that you don't want to give up and then, you know, pray those things back to him. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, I think it can be really helpful to, um, to not just make mental lists of those things, even yeah. to either write them down or to sit down with someone, you know, and be like, Hey, this is, this is where I'm at. I'm just thinking through this stuff. Well, um, yeah. And let me put it another way. Like, yeah. so we we're in a series, we're in a season of Lent right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in the season of Lent, it's really popular to say, Hey, what are you giving up? Right. And a lot of times what we talk about is, you know, like, well, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up eating fatty foods or I'm going to give up uh, drinking coffee or whatever it is. And I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but what I'm saying is that being a follower is not saying no to some things. It's saying no to ourselves. And so I think the question might be, okay, for Lent, what am I going to take up that is going to um, begin to actually make long-term changes in my life? You know, so maybe for Lent, instead of giving up you know, chocolate, say, I'm going to take up reading the Bible every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, some of those very simple practices about Bible reading or prayer or Bible study, or even getting involved in service. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those are ways to start saying no to our own desires and start saying yes to God's desires. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, usually even in Lent, the things that we give up, we're giving up for ourselves, right? I mean, I, I, like, yeah. you know, I, I realize that I'm getting really unhealthy with the amount of coffee that I'm drinking. So I'm going to give up coffee for Lent. That's not, it's not really about denying ourselves. It's actually about trying to make ourselves better. Yeah. And I think the point of, of Lent is really to prepare for Easter, yeah. which is actually about laying ourselves down yeah. and, um, and sacrificing. Well, and, and the part of Lent that most people miss is great if you're going to give up something. And if you've recognized it's a vice in some way, sure. Uh, what are you replacing it with? Are right. you, are you being intentional about letting that giving up uh turn you back to jesus and right. turn you back to your faith and 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 engaging and that's yep. um man i've given up rachel and i've given up snacking in the evening which is again it's, it's as much about a healthy habit for me as anything but yeah, am i taking the time in the evening to actually turn back to, to jesus instead of like good. i'm just gonna keep watching netflix yeah right? good question that's yeah. uh whew, that's tough um Anything else as you've as you've gone through this sermon and journey? Uh, anything else that stuck out to you? Anything else you decided to leave on the cutting room floor? Well, I would just finish with this idea. Um, you know, we we focused in on the verses that talked about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Him. But I, I also want to just remind um, you know those who are listening this of the way the passage continues. Hmm. And it reminds us that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for, he says, for me, Jesus is saying this. So for Jesus, will save it. The person yeah. who loses their life for Jesus will save it. And I think that that to me is a really powerful picture. And it reminds us of what it actually looks like. Um, but, you know, we, we try really hard to save ourselves. That becomes a very yeah. strong instinct in our lives. Um, and what Jesus was saying is that our desire to try to save ourselves, um, you know, will ultimately lead to losing it long term. Hmm. And he says that those who are going to uh, resist the desire to save instead to lose their life, which means they would accept opposition and accept the shame and suffering and some of the things that come with being a follower of Jesus, um, you know, 
that is the the place that begins to move us towards you know gaining our life forever yeah i love that and i love if anyone you know if you were here the last couple of weeks we were talking about ecclesiastes right and this idea that the more we try to grasp something the more it slips through our fingers right yeah. the more we try to hold on to our life and not give it up yeah um the more it slips through our fingers and and the what God wants for us is actually the best thing for us. Yeah. Uh, it will experience the love and peace and joy and be able to live in this place where we can follow him in everything. Well said. So good. Okay. Well, we are wrapped up for this week. Uh, we probably will not have a podcast next week. I know it is March break. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back soon with more postcard. Sounds great. 